Hey queens, hey kings, and what's up good people? I am Sharana Reeves and you are listening to These Three Things Podcast Season 4. Yeah, no. <laughs> I just always feel like I should make that sound at the end of that beat drop. But in all seriousness, Your girl didn't know if she was going to make it back to this podcast. I didn't know if there was going to be a season four. I'm going to talk more in detail about that in just a second. I have a lot to share in a short amount of time because I really want you guys to hear all of this great information and all these gems that were dropped by Dr. Brandy Moore. So we can talk about our hormones. Okay. Um, Let's talk about the main thing that I know all of you guys want to talk about first is this theme song. Yes. I did change the theme song. I decided to go with an instrumental version with the bridge at the end, just because I felt like it was cleaner. I feel like the show is always evolving. I didn't need to give an introduction anymore. I think that uh, I have so many different people listening to the show, people of all races, men. So this show is whatever you take from the show. It will always be a podcast for black women. I will always be discussing things that are relative to black women and to our community. But I am aware that I have listeners of other cultures and races listening as well. And you are absolutely welcome. I think as women, we all deal with a lot of the same things. Uh, But if you're listening and you hear something that is relevant to you, by all means, take it. If you're listening and you hear something that you didn't even know women dealt with and is not relative to you and your culture, then by all means, listen, learn and grow to the men who listen to these three things podcast. It's so good to have you guys back. Uh, I'm going to tell you guys a quick, funny story. Uh, I was in my room and I was praying. I was on my knees and I'm just like, okay, Lord, um, I really want to do what it is that you want me to do. Give me some direction. I feel like there's a lot of ways that I can go, but I don't want to waste time. I want to be about what it is that uh, you have for me to do in this season of my life. And as I'm praying, you guys, the Lord says to me, what did I give you to do? Now, you know how when you're on your knees praying, for those of you who get on your knees and pray, um, you know how when you're on your knees and you're praying and you kind of, you know, your hand, your head is bowed, your eyes are closed and you're just kind of really talking to God. Well, when God said to me, um, what did I give you to do? I opened up one of my eyes and I looked around my room and I was like, you talking about that podcast? <laughs> and the Lord said, yeah, the podcast. Isn't that what I gave you to do? And I was like, but that's it. That's that's all you giving me right now. You just, you just want me to do the podcast. He was like, yeah, are all your needs being met? Well, yes, Lord, they are. Are you lacking anything? Oh, no. So then get back to the podcast. That's what I've given you to do. Now I'm going to be honest with you. When the Lord told me that y'all, I really want to just pack up all this equipment, put it in a suitcase and throw it in the middle of the street. (laughs) But I wasn't going to do that. Because, uh, first of all, this equipment is very expensive. But second is because I just really want to be obedient to the call on my life at this season of my life. So I'm back on the show. I am back talking about uh, things that I feel like are relevant and things that I feel like that we need to talk about as black women in our community. Um, 
And I'm super excited to have more men on the show this season because I think that women, we need to hear from our men and we need answers from our men as well. And so uh, I'm super excited for some of the episodes that will be coming out uh, with our men talking real talk with us this season. I want to give a quick round of applause to all of my listeners. Thank you guys so much for your patience. I've had several of you reach out to me in regards to the show, if it was going to come back or not. Uh, what was I doing about the show? So I appreciate it. Once I got my marching orders to get back and get back to life and accept God's will for our family with the loss of my sister um, and that everything was going to be okay, that he is still God and he is still on the throne and he is still in control. Um, I was ready to get back to the show. So I appreciate you guys giving me time to uh, just process it all. I really needed it in more ways than one. So thank you for that. I also want to let you guys know this. The first five episodes of season four will be released bi-weekly. Uh, you're listening to this episode today on August 23rd, 2022. The next episode that will be released uh, will be on September 6th, 2022. That's just because I'm a little rusty. Uh, I want to take my time and make sure that I'm getting everything right that all of my sound is good, that I'm having the conversations that I want to have, that I'm giving myself enough time to edit. As you know, I do everything for my show. So I just want to make sure that all of the production is where it should be. So the first five episodes of season four, I am going to release on a bi-weekly schedule. I will send something out every week on the bi-week to remind you that these three things podcast, next episode will be and then give you the day so that you can be on the lookout for it. I hope that you're already following on Apple. Uh, I hope that you have clicked the little notifications so that it will remind you of when uh, my episodes drop. So they'll just come right to your phone and you can listen to them at your convenience. That's one of the things that I really love about podcasting is that you can listen at your convenience. Okay, so let's get into today's episode. WTH, what the hormones with Dr. Brandy Moore. Queens, kings, and good people, there is so much I want to say about this episode, so much I would like to share, but I will only be redundant and taking up time where you guys can truly hear every word that comes out of this sister's mouth. All the knowledge and wisdom that Dr. Brandy is sharing in this episode will change the lives of some of the people listening. And I know this to be a fact. If you will heed the knowledge and wisdom that is coming out of this sister, it will be a blessing to you. I also am excited to say that Dr. Brandy has agreed to come back on the show from time to time in season four and drop more knowledge and wisdom on us as her schedule permits. So I'm super excited about that. Now, after you listen to the episode, if you decide that you want to connect with Dr. Brandy on a professional level and seek her guidance and help, you can connect with Dr. Brandy and follow all of her socials by going to my website, these3-things.com. Go to the podcast page and click on this episode. You will see all the ways in which you can connect with Dr. Brandy at the bottom of her bio. Okay, so let me get out of the way so that you can listen to all of this knowledge and wisdom that is being shared in this episode. What the Hormones with Dr. Brandy Moore. I'll see you on the other side of this commercial. Enjoy. Do you need to get a handle on your stress? Need to get better control of your emotions? 
Join the 19,000 plus students who have taken Dr. Patricia Thompson's 21-day crash course in emotional intelligence. You'll learn practical techniques that will help you manage your emotions, improve your relationships, and get ahead in your career, all in the comfort of your own home. Learn more at her website, silverliningpsychology.com on the self-study page. Again, that's silverliningpsychology.com. Hey, queens. Hey, kings. What's up, good people? You are listening to These Three Things Podcast, and we're back for season four's premiere episode with Dr. Brandy Moore. I'm super excited to have Dr. Brandy on the show. Dr. Brandy is a naturopathic physician, and here's a little bit about her bio. Dr. Brandy is a naturopathic doctor and hormone expert whose health changed significantly when she was able to balance her own hormones. She now guides other women along the same path, making it easier for them to find the same balance and healthful peace. Dr. Brandy, welcome to These Three Things. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. (laughs) I'm super happy to have you on the show. Those of you who are listeners of These Three Things, you know that I always talk about how I am doing a podcast episode with my current guest. Sometimes I know the people that I'm doing a podcast episode with. This is my first time meeting Dr. Brandy. I actually found Dr. Brandy on Instagram, just scrolling through Instagram one day, and her page popped up, and I started looking at all of her videos just talking about hormones and me being 50 and starting to feel uh, the effects of my hormones and uh, being premenopausal or is it perimenopausal, Dr. Brandy? Perimenopausal, it's yes. perimenopausal, me being yes. perimenopausal. I was like, I know uh, a lot of my listeners are around my age, maybe a little bit younger. So this will be some great information for you coming down the pipes that can help you prepare and be better prepared for all the things that will affect your hormones as we age. Uh, but I reached out to Dr. Brandy and I was so super excited when she responded back and said, yes, I'd love to be on your show. So this is our first time meeting, but uh, we're super excited to have you on the show, Dr. Brandy. So again, thank you for being on these three things podcast. Yes, thank you for having me and, and reaching out on Instagram. <laughs> DMs, you got to slide in the DMs, Dr. Brandy. <laughs> I get a lot of slides in the DMs, but not for what people expect. It's like, hey, can you like, let's do a collaboration, let's do a podcast, which are the kind of slides I like. Yes, true, true, true. Because you're beautiful, by the way. You guys can't see Dr. Brandy, but I'm looking at her because we're actually doing a Zoom while we're recording the audio and she's beautiful. Like literally she, we were just talking about how young she looks, but y'all I'm telling you like looks 25 and what are you, Dr. Brandy? You said you're 35, 35. See, yeah, beautiful. I always made the joke that I should have gone into aesthetics and then like really boosted the age. I'm like, no, no, I'm 46. (laughs) What's Botox? Like filler? I know. Listen, that's a business. That is an industry. (laughs) It is. Okay. So my first question to you is why hormones? You're a doctor. Um, A lot of different areas you could have gone into, but why did you choose the hormone, hormonal field? 
Yeah, it's a really great question. So I'm specifically a naturopathic doctor. So the way I look at health is a little bit different than conventional docs, like your MDs and your DOs. I look at it from a whole person perspective. So you are not an arm or a brain or a stomach, right? Everything is connected and everything can affect the other things. Um, and so I take that whole body approach and, you know, for me, I like taking an approach as natural as possible. Um, so medications and surgeries and all those things definitely have their place. But if we can get you feeling better just by doing some small tweaks to diet, lifestyle, supplementation, herbs, um, it was something that was a lot more appealing to me. But as I started working as a naturopathic doctor, I started to realize that hormones were the root cause of a lot of different things. So when we think hormones, we think female or male hormones, right? We think libido, um, secondary sex characteristics like breasts, things like hips, things like that. Um, but hormones are adrenals, which help manage stress. Um, they also produce sex hormones as well. We, uh, there's also your thyroid, right? You have different hormones that affect your hunger and satiety cues, like if you're going to have cravings or not. So when you kind of go down the rabbit hole, I found that a lot of my patients didn't know that their hormones were off, but it was root cause their hormones, right? So they think I'm fatigued, I'm getting weight um, that I can't lose, I have brain fog, I can't sleep. And a lot of times it's like, well, your thyroid's off, which is a set of hormones or your female hormones are imbalanced or your testosterone's low. Um, and so I, I found that although it affects everything, it's not talked about, mm -hmm. number one. Um, number two, it's not treated very well by conventional medicine. A lot of their answers are birth control, spironolactone, or replacement. And in our younger population, there's a lot more that we can do to get those results without going down those routes, right? It's like, oh, yeah, you have a regular period. Here's birth control. Well, you don't have a regular periods because you had a lack of birth control. You have a regular periods because something is off with your hormones. And instead of investigating that at a younger age, we put a Band-Aid on it and then you have, uh, you know, a woman gets to 30s, 35, 33, and they want to have kids. Well, guess what? That same issue that you had when you were 18 where the doctor just said, oh, just take birth control, now rears its ugly head at 35. And we have to try to figure out what the hormonal imbalance is and how to fix it. And it can take a while. And so seeing people struggle and not get answers and the answers that they get be very inadequate, it made me really want to pursue this avenue. Listen, what you just said, I feel like so many women walk around through life frustrated. I know my mother did. I know my grandmother did. I know there are hereditary things that the women in my family have dealt with. And just listening to you talk, knowing that my grandmother went to the doctor about it, my mother went to the doctor, never really felt like they received any information that could help. And just listening to what you said, I feel like you're going to liberate and educate so many women today just by the information that you give. So let me just start with that because that was going to be my later question. But now that we've kind of just begin talking about it, what do women do when they know that they're feeling, uh, like you said, low energy, brain fog, uh, or the periods being irregular, and you're going to your doctor and you're expressing these symptoms that you're having, and you are not being met with even any hormonal talk at all about this could be your hormones. It's, it's a bit tricky and it depends on where you live. And unfortunately it depends on how much like flexible income that you have as it sits right now, conventional MDs and DOs are just not taught, um, 
about anything related to hormones. They know how to prescribe and they know how to cut it out. You have excessive bleeding or, or things like that and you already have kids, their answer is, why don't you just get a hysterectomy? Let's just do an ablation. Like, let's just get rid of it so we get rid of that. But it produces hormones for us. And what they also don't tell women is that it's going to throw you into menopause. So I had a patient who had uh, endometriosis and fibroids and they were horrible. Um, and she went to her MD and they were like, let's just take it out. And at that point she's like, I have pain. I have excessive bleeding. Like, yes, take it out. They were like, well, we'll, uh, you won't go straight into menopause. We can kind of ease you in. And normally when that happens, they leave the ovaries because the ovaries are what produce the hormones. Well, for her, they took everything out, like everything. So when she comes to me now with uh, unexplained weight gain, fatigue, mood changes, and all these things. Um, she's like, well, they told me I wouldn't go into menopause. I'm like, but they took everything that you had that would produce the hormones. Wow. So you're for sure, you're not going to bleed, right? Mm -hmm. But they also took away the ability for that. So she was on hormone replacement in her late 30s and now having conversations where I'm like, you're in menopause. And she's like, but I'm not, I'm 30. And I'm like, but you are because they took it. Mm -hmm. And I'm really sorry that they weren't transparent about what was going to happen post-surgery. And they just made it like butterflies and unicorns. Cause now at some point you might start having to deal with hot flashes and low libido and vaginal dryness and all these other things that at 55, 60, you were expecting at in late thirties, you weren't. Um, so to find a provider, you have to find a doctor that's going to listen is kind of number one. So if you go to someone and you're talking about your grievances and they say, okay, we'll just put you on control and that's not the answer that you want, unfortunately you have to like fire that doctor and go find someone that aligns more with you. Now, typically that's a naturopathic doctor like myself or like a functional medicine doctor. The issue is they don't always take insurance. So like naturopathic doctors, unless you're in Washington or Oregon are not contracted with insurance. Mm. Those two states, they can take insurance. Um, but basically every other state in the US, they cannot. We can bill labs, but not the appointments. So there is a certain level of coming out of pocket. Um, I'm really trying to build up my educational space. And I had mentioned I've had a lot of changes in the last year. So it's kind of, I've like started and stopped mm -hmm. the process, but my goal is to put out information and education so that women have access to it because I don't like the gatekeeping nature of what I do, right? right? If you don't make a certain income, then you can't see a doctor like me because you can't afford it. So I'm trying to still work through an affordable way to give access. Maybe it's a course, maybe it's something to where they can start to take some things into their own hands. There are situations where you need like very much a surgery or a medication, but there's so much we can do with hormones before it gets to that point that, you know, we can, you can do at home. Okay. I can talk to you about it and you can start to make some tweaks and changes to your own life that can make a significant impact. But I would say my number one thing is find a provider that believes in you and is going to listen to you. Um, because that's huge. The amount of women I see who come and sit down and are like, yeah, I told my doctor X, Y, Z and either they dismissed me or didn't address it at all, or they addressed it in a very, um, in a way that was not very helpful. Right. Patient yesterday where it's like, oh, this is going on. And I was like, okay. So they give you progesterone. She's like, yes. I'm like, all right. So I'm assuming you were cycled through the month to match your natural cycle to try to like get your body back in the flow. She's like, no. 
<clears throat> I was on the same dose for the whole month and they never changed it. I'm like, well, your body doesn't do that. And then I was looking at the hormones. I was like, they also, you were, you were on this day or did they test on a certain day or any day? She's like, oh, they just did it. I'm pretty sure I, I was on my period when they did these tests. And I was like, cool. So your progesterone's not actually accurate because they tested at the wrong time. So at the right time, this number is concerning, but they probably also made your dose too high because they were basing it off of the wrong number at the wrong time. She's like, oh yeah, that explains why I've had like such a terrible experience with that medication. I'm like, yeah, okay, we'll work through it. <laughs> like, we'll wow. figure it out. But there's so much to hormones that it's, it's hard for a provider to dabble okay. because it's so intricate. And we feel that as women. <laughs> We feel that to be true. Yes, you do. I mean, birth control shuts down your system, which causes a whole host of other issues. But you just think like, well, my girlfriends have it, so it must be normal. But your girlfriends are also on birth control. And now we're seeing women on birth control from the age of 14 Mm -hmm. until when they decide to conceive. And that, I mean, you've shut down your hormonal system from the time that it basically started for 15 years and now you want to just like get pregnant the next day and it happens for some people and it doesn't for others so yeah there's so much to hormones that it's just it's kind of tricky for someone to dabble so I would say like find someone who listens find someone who specializes in it um, and then find a place where you can kind of educate yourself I have a few books that you know people can access okay um I haven't written them, but they're written by other naturopaths. So they take that like holistic approach. Okay. Cause I was going to ask you that speaking in the holistic department, you know, how like we go to the dentist and, you know, we get our, um, colonoscopies, all preventive mm-hmm. things to make sure that we're not going to end up with cancer or, you know, cavities or whatever. Is there something that we can do preventive, uh, for my younger listeners, uh, who aren't necessarily dealing with anything hormonally right now, but are headed in that direction. My 28s and mid 30 uh, listeners. Yeah. Get to know your body, right? Get to know your cycles. I, there's so many women that come in like, I think I have an irregular period or I think I have hormonal issues. And I'm like, are you tracking your cycle? Oh no, it just kind of comes when it comes. And I'm like, all right, well then it makes it really difficult because you could be late. It could be shorter than it needs to be, right? Like day one to day one, Mm -hmm. a shorter period. But you don't always know that if you're kind of just letting it happen. Um, So get to know your body. Get to know what's normal when it comes to a period. If you're using like multiple super plus tampons in a cycle, you are excessively bleeding. You are hemorrhaging. That is not normal. If your cramps are so bad, you're having to call it up work. That is not normal. But a lot of us, again, you're in your sphere. Your doctor doesn't talk to you about it. Um, your girlfriends are in your same boat. So you're just in an echo chamber thinking, well, this is just how my life is meant to be. I'm meant, my periods are supposed to be bad. They're not. Menopause is supposed to be rough. It's actually not. Um, so it's getting to know what is normal for the general pop, right? Gen pop, mm-hmm. general person. What's normal for you? That way, if something changes or shifts, you know to go to a doctor at the start of symptoms. Go to a hormone specialist, like someone who can really help at the start versus, oh yeah, I, I kind of noticed that I was only having two periods a year, but I was like, woohoo, and I thought there was nothing wrong with that. Well, actually it turns out you have PCOS and now we have to actually address it. And depending on what your goals are, it could affect 
the time period or time frame of things. That's so good. That's all such great information right there. Let's talk about fibroids for a second. Okay. Because I hear all the time women say, you know, I have fibroids, you know, my periods are super heavy. You just mentioned like I'm soaking through a tampon in 20, 30 minutes, like literally I'm changing a tampon every half hour to an hour. And I uh, have fibroids. I will just be full disclosure on the show. My listeners know I'm usually full disclosure anyway. Uh, I just put myself out there. But the goal is to help, you know, so I don't, you know, I don't mind saying it. And I have dealt with the heavy bleeding and all of that. And I went to my doctor. Everything that you just said is exactly what my doctor said to me. Well, you know what? Let's just take them out. We'll do a partial hysterectomy. And, you know, I have a 23-year-old son and a 21-year-old daughter. So, you know, my childbearing days are over with. But I've had so many women come back and say that it just catapulted them, like, you know, in the wrong direction. And so can we talk about A, just the fibroids in general and how we can prevent ourselves from getting them and why they're so prevalent in black women, Dr. Brandy. Okay. (laughs) So, um, I have my own theories about why fibroids are so prevalent in our community and I do not have proof again, disclaimer. This is my own opinion. Um, the why I think has to do with our lifestyle. Right. A lot of things boil down to lifestyle. The way I like to think about lifestyle and environmental medicine Mm -hmm. is like drops in a bucket. So you can, you know, we're not born at zero. So as the example that I'll give your great grandmother, she let's say she had no toxins in her life. Right. Zero. No plastics, no relaxers, no, no anything, no toxins. Okay, she's at zero. So then she lives her life, she's exposed to things, and then she becomes pregnant. Well, your grandmother is now not starting at zero like your great-grandmother did. She's starting at a lower amount. So let's say she starts at a five, mm-hmm. okay, with her, like, body burden. So she starts at a five, she then lives her life, she gets pregnant. Now your mom is starting at a 10, right? So then your mom lives her life. Things have gotten a little more polluted, a little more toxic. Now, when your mom goes to have you, you're starting at a 20, right? So there are so many drops in that bucket that your body can take before you have a spillover and you become symptomatic. So it's similar for a lot of things like, you know, um, you have people who are able to uh, smoke cigarettes and, and drink excessive amounts of alcohol and eat processed food and they live to 90, but then you have some people who can't. So there is a certain level of personal genetic predisposition to things. Um, So when it comes to fibroids, I think in our community, we use relaxers, which are like, there's like formaldehyde and relaxers. Like relaxers are super toxic. Um, They get your hair straight, right? They do the job, they do the trick, which is great. Mm -hmm. But I can't think of anything else that makes us so unique from other populations right because there are a disproportionate amount of black women who have fibroids if you look at other races it's not as much so what makes us so different right most Mm -hmm. of our genetic material is the same obviously the color of our skin might be different the tone the texture of our hair things like that but what do we do consistently every six weeks 
we just slather our scalp with chemicals to make our hair straight. So my theory is it has something to do with that. Now, again, disclaimer, that is just a theory. But I can't think of anything else. Like, I have racked my brain about this as to why we suffer with fibroids so much more than other ethnicities. Right. Could be a genetic predisposition, like something in our ancestry that also makes us more predisposed. But I don't know. Another thing is people typically don't talk about it. So like I ask a lot of women, like, when did your mom go into menopause? Did she have any of these cycle changes? Because so much is genetic. And usually people don't know. Like people of a certain category of age, they don't talk about their health, especially not what's going on with a period or their hormones or their libido. Like you will not get a 70 year old woman to sit here and tell you about her periods. But you need to know that information because if your mom went into early menopause, you will likely go into early menopause as well. If she suffered with fibroids, you probably also have suffered and will suffer with fibroids, but it's, it's good to have that. Um, Why do fibroids happen? Fibroids, the, the, the like underlying why is a question mark. But things that make it worse is estrogen dominance. So typically, if you have fibroids, you have an excessive amount of estrogen. And so it causes these benign tumors to grow within the uterus. And they can grow kind of throughout the thickness of the uterus. So the placement does matter. Conventionally, the answer is removal. Um, The issue is they can grow back. So I found that the underlying issue being the estrogen dominance, if you don't actually address the the fact that the person has excessive amounts of estrogen, then it will grow back because it's in the same medium. We haven't really changed anything, right? Right. All we did was remove the the benign tumor, but you didn't actually do anything else. Um, Symptoms that people experience are usually pelvic pain, especially like worsening of cramps, um, excessive bleeding. Um, When you have your period, it's like hemorrhaging because they kind of have their own blood supply so they can bleed even more. Usually you're shedding that uterine lining. That's why we bleed normally. But right. if you have fibroids in there, it can make that period 10 times worse. Um, but yeah, it's it's not fun. The way I treat it is addressing the, addressing the estrogen dominance. Okay. And there's things you can do in your diet and lifestyle without having your hormones tested if you have fibroids. So... Um, So not heating up things in plastic because plastic is a hormone disruptor. It affects how our hormones operate. And so you see a lot of bottles that say like BPA free. Well, they took the BPA out, which is one of the main hormone disruptors, but they replaced it with something else. And obviously we don't know how that is BPS instead of BPA. There's like a different chemical structure, but it's similar, Okay. Um, but it disrupts your hormones and it can cause estrogen dominance. So he drinking things in like um, stainless steel or um, what's glass is kind of best. If you're going to heat things up, do not heat them up in plastic. Don't put hot food on a plastic plate. Don't drink from a water bottle that is plastic that has been sitting in your car. All of those things sound small. They can have big changes when it comes to your hormones. Um, another thing is to, um, try to eat organic where you can. Mm -hmm. And the reason why is because they put hormones into the meat. So they try to make it grow bigger and fatter and all these things, right. So it can feed more people. Um, 
but does disrupt your own natural hormones. So if you can just minimize it, I never say someone needs to go hundred percent organic because that's very unrealistic for most people, especially right now with inflation and gas and all that stuff. So make the changes where you can, um, you know, again, if you can get organic meat, but not organic vegetables, then that's an option. If you can't afford organic meat at all, then just switching to a, more of a whole foods diet can be really helpful, even if you don't do organic meat. So whole foods, like things that come from the earth. So like meat, vegetables, fruits, grains, things like that. You are listening to These Three Things Podcast, and we're talking hormones with naturopathic doctor Brandy Moore. We'll be right back. For almost a century, Scarrett Bennett Center's historic Gothic campus has been a choice location for dream weddings in Nashville. Consistently rated one of Music City's best places to get married by The Knot, Wedding Wire, and Toast of Nashville, Scarrett Bennett Center offers three timeless venues for your wedding, a 20-person elopement chapel, a 300-person wedding chapel, and a breathtaking garden. From rehearsal to reception, Scarrett Bennett Center is ready to help you create the intimate, historic wedding of your dreams. Visit our website at scarrettbennett.org forward slash weddings for more information. Another thing is with uh, estrogen dominance is your beauty products. So making sure that you don't have endocrine disruptors in those like phthalates, um, I feel like people may have heard about. It's spelled funny. It's like P-T-H-L-A-T-E-S. Mm-hmm. So if you've seen that, you've been like, what is that word? That's what it is. So decreasing that body burden that can increase estrogen or make estrogen off. Another thing with estrogen dominance is sometimes a lack of progesterone can mimic estrogen dominance. Okay. So these hormones are meant to be balanced. It's not 100% one-to-one, but there is a balance between how much estrogen you have and how much progesterone you have. In times of stress, we need progesterone to make additional cortisol. So we'll actually take the progesterone, convert it to cortisol, so it's not making, it's not staying a sex hormone. So the issue becomes, if you're really stressed, you'll decrease your progesterone, which looks like you have excess estrogen, and then you'll start to mimic some of these conditions like fibroids. Um, The last thing, I just had it again, and it went away. (laughs) Being a mom of little kids is rough. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Um, Oh, wait. Excessive amounts of weight will increase your estrogen. Your fat cells are aromatizing. So they can convert things like testosterone to excess estrogen. And so even having excessive amounts of weight can cause you to be in an estrogen dominant state Mm -hmm. and it can make things like fibroids worse. So even just, like I said, cleaning up your diet, which will help you lose weight, moving your body and decreasing that body fat percentage can help with something uh, like fibroids. And honestly, with a lot of hormonal conditions. Yeah. Okay. So for my listener who has not done any of the things that you said they warm food up in plastic they're overweight they have fibroids their diet is terrible can they start because I know you know how sometimes you get so far out in the ocean you start to think that I just can't even fix this now can they start to take measures to start to turn things around even though they're so far out there yes and I would say baby steps so when you start diving into environmental medicine and hormones and lifestyle and really making any change, it can become very overwhelming very fast. Mm -hmm. 
So usually I don't recommend anyone make all of those changes I just mentioned at the same time. Um, I would say mental health and stress is really easy to start to do. Start to change your conversation around weight. I feel like, especially for women, a lot of our conversations about weight comes from a vanity perspective. And I'm not saying you shouldn't want to look good, like do your thing. But, you know, for a long time, I didn't exercise because I was thin. And I was like, well, I don't need to exercise because I'm already thin. That's the whole goal. (laughs) And it's like, no, if you want like good cardiovascular health, you want to have good bone density, especially as we age, Uh, muscle we're trying to increase metabolism, muscle burns more calories, right? It has a higher caloric need than fat. So you'll actually be kind of burning muscles in a, or burning muscles, burning fat in a rested state if you have more muscle on you. Okay. So there's so many things, change your mindset and perspective, but starting to optimize your sleep, right? That's an easy thing. That's free. If you can, trying to go to bed earlier and get as close to your eight hours as you can And maybe that's where you start because if you're exhausted, you're not going to have the energy for everything else. Yeah. So usually I start with sleep and stress. Like let's start to support those adrenals. Let's start trying to sleep. Um, And as you increase your energy, you'll have the energy to do other things. Mm -hmm. You don't need to jump into CrossFit, right? But, but you can maybe say, all right, in the mornings to get my mind right for the day, I'm going to go on a 10 minute walk. So walk around the block, 10 minutes, come back. It changes how you view everything. You've now had time for yourself, which a lot of women also don't prioritize. And it sets you up for a good day, both mentally, but also in the choices that you make. Because you're like, well, I just went for that walk. You know, maybe I do want oatmeal for breakfast, right? Or maybe I want to take care of myself Mm -hmm. a little bit more. Um, And then take the food stuff at an every meal basis, we tend to think like all or nothing. Like I'm either on a diet or I'm going, like I'm raging and binging. Right. <laughs> Instead, sure, you might have had pizza for breakfast. Okay, well, what can we add to our lunch that's going to help put us in the direction that we want to go? Mm-hmm. Um, okay, let me add, you know, I don't want a salad. You don't have to eat a salad to, to do any of these things. So it's like, okay, I'm going to add a fruit and a vegetable to what I would normally eat. I focus on adding and not taking out. Then you'll get to the point where you notice you feel so good. It's like, actually, I kind of do want this. So it's making small changes and then queuing in with yourself to make those changes last. Because you'll get to a point where it's like, you just feel better if you're not eating pizza. You know, the standard American diet. Yes. Which is full of processed food, sugar, uh, high saturated fats. You notice that your energy is better. Your mood is better. Your ability to handle your kids' nonsense is better in a more sense. So when they try you, you're like, that usually would have got me, but I'm so not today. Yeah, I'm I'm just gonna let that slide yeah. or we're gonna address it in like a different way. But yeah, small, small changes. Everything that you just said I can testify is the truth because I shared with you before we started recording that my sister had passed away. And <laughs> I have been pretty consistent as a former college women's basketball coach of always working out. Like, you know, I'm just around workout equipment. I'm going to just go get on the treadmill and run. Her passing away, like, just tanked me in such a way that I had not done any exercising in 2022 at all. And I was Mm -hmm. physically feeling it, you know. And so here recently, probably in the last month and a half, I've gotten back to working out and running 
and lifting and really trying to focus more on the strength than the wear and tear of the running at this point and season in my yeah. life. And literally all of the, the lack of energy that I was feeling, some of the foggy brain that I was feeling that I'm attributing to minute being perimenopausal. Uh, yep it started to pick up for me. Like I started to have energy to do things that I didn't have to do. My diet started changing everything that you just said, which coming from the athletics world, I kind of know, but sometimes, Mm -hmm. you know, you just don't always execute what you know. Yeah. But just the baby steps of just going to the gym. I started out, I said, okay, I'm just going to walk a mile and see how I feel. That gave me so much energy that the next I'm like, okay, I'm going to jog till I can't then walk, jog till I can't then walk just for a mile. Then the lifting, like it literally started changing the way I was eating my food because I'm like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it all the way. I'm going to go ahead and just, you know, have me some egg whites for breakfast with a little spinach. And, you know, Mm -hmm. so everything that you just said, I can testify is the honest to God truth, because I am starting to feel better. My energy level is starting to pick up again like it once was because I'm just moving my body, just simply moving my body. And that's so in my 30s, my perspective on health and fitness and body image has changed so much. And I feel like, you know, when you have kids, some of it changes because you realize like, wow, my body grew and delivered a whole human. Right. At the same time, if you're used to having a physique, you really didn't have to work for like me. Um, then when you have to work, you're like, wait a second. <laughs> I this wasn't natural. <laughs> I thought I'd just, you know, snap yeah. back like the girls do on Instagram. Okay, exactly. <laughs> Did not happen. But then the more I started kind of diving into working primarily with women and, and having these conversations, you realize that, like repeatedly it's the same thing over and over again and it boils down to the same thing. People like to, again, we have this all or nothing. I'm either on the wagon or I'm off the wagon. And it's just not serving us as a society um, because it's not bringing balance. And that wear and tear on the body of I'm all in or I'm all out has a lot of downstream effects. It's worse to be a crash dieter than it is to stick with what you were already doing, right? Right. Because your metabolism is just going to be all over the place. So those small little changes, like, like you said, you don't need to to go hard. You don't even have to do it where it's like, okay, I'm going to, lift weights for an hour, every single, you know, uh, three times, four times a week, or else I'm not doing anything at this point. I do like 20 minute exercises. Cause I'm like the thought of being in the gym for an hour right. is exhausting. Who, who has time for that? Who has time for that? <laughs> and when you're burnt out, it actually serves you in the opposite. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we talk about starting an exercise routine again, We have to consider that stress is stress, whether it's good or bad. And as I mentioned earlier, stress can affect your hormones, right? Mm -hmm. So the adrenals release a hormone called cortisol and cortisol is is released to help us manage our stress. Think about it like, oh, I see a bear and now I need to run from that bear. Okay, Mm -hmm. bear's gone, now I can relax. You have some other neurotransmitters that are released as well, but cortisol plays a big role in regards to stress management. Well, nowadays we live in a stressful environment. So instead of like having these one-offs, we kind of live in an elevated state of stress. And then we have the one-offs also occur, Mm -hmm. right? The loss of a family member, the loss of a job, the change of a career, a move, any of those things. So it makes us to where now we've like revved it up, right? Where it's like, okay, wait, now I need more in this acute. But our body has been producing it because of our naturally stressful lives 
for this whole time. Right. And so it's like, okay, now we have an extreme situation that we have to handle, but we don't have the tools to do that Mm -hmm. because we're already stressed. So we pull from progesterone, like I mentioned earlier, convert that, which can knock off our cycles in women. But if you add in that, you're just going to go hard, that you're going to start doing CrossFit, that you're going to do high intensity interval training, things like that, that still requires more cortisol. Now it's good stress. It's a use stress and not a distress, but it still is a stress. So anytime I see someone who's coming out of a stressful event, coming out of burnout, I never recommend they dive that deep into exercise. It's always the focus is moving your body, yeah. right? The, the weight will come, the diet will come, the sleep will get better. We just need to move your body. So if walking for 10 minutes is the only thing that sounds like it's even bearable, then do that. You'll start feeling better, like you said, and then we can add in the strength training because the strength training, like I said, helps to maintain bone health, helps to increase metabolism, helps to get the physique, the figure that you're probably looking for, um, that just like walking alone or cycling alone or swimming alone won't do. But the goal is always to continually check in with yourself. And you'll notice, like you said, that sleep gets better, your reserves or your tolerance gets better, which I mentioned, but that has to do with if you're to your limit when it comes to stress and you don't have any more, you're going to snap at your family, Yep. right? You just can't help that. So by addressing that, it allows it to where, okay, I'm starting to do these little things for myself. I'm setting time away, like aside for myself. So you're doing that self-care, the self-care that really matters, like face masks are great, but this type of self-care is like the deep nitty gritty work. Yes. Um, and then you'll start to make those changes, but what I do can be so overwhelming that I like to break it down into little bitty chunks Mm -hmm. and try to say, okay, by fixing the lifestyle, you'll get the most bang for your buck. Then you will, if I put you on 50 supplements, right. Um, because it's also, we're making a a transformation mental and physical Mm -hmm. and hormonal that a bunch of supplements can't do. I can't. We can't out supplement a bad diet. We can't out supplement bad sleep. We can't out supplement too much stress. Those things can help, but that really we have to get to the root cause, which is all this dysregulation. Yeah. And we have to participate. Like, I think that's the biggest thing we have to understand that, (laughs) you know, the doctor will give you a pill, but at some point you're going to have to participate in your own health and well-being. Yes. And pills put a bandaid on it. I mentioned that with birth control, but I can give you another example, diabetes. And that's something that's also very common in the South. Like I teach um, at a university here called Metropolitan State University of Mm -hmm. Denver. I teach in the integrative health department and I teach a class where it's basically like intro to integrative health. It's called dynamics of health. And I, every week, everything doesn't matter. Cancer, diabetes, cardiovascular disease, anxiety, depression, everything boils down to diet lifestyle. Every single week, I'm like, you have to change how you eat, you have to move your body, and you have to manage your stress. You do those three things, and most of these things will go away. So if we look at things like diabetes or even cardiovascular disease, heart disease, diabetes is type 2, not type 1. Type 1 is autoimmune. Type mm-hmm. 2 is a, a symptom of lifestyle. Right. So you're eating bad. Your body starts to either become insulin resistant, which means insulin's a hormone, another hormone that you release to help bring, um, it's a storage hormone. So it helps you to store excess blood sugar. Mm-hmm. Well, if you become insulin resistant, then now we have blood sugar that's just floating in the bloodstream. 
So if I were to prick you, you have elevated blood glucose, right? So when you first hit, you hit the pre-diabetic phase. Typically, your conventional doc will say, all right, start watching what you eat, start moving your body. That's about all that you get. Um, then once you're full-blown diabetic, now we're on medications. Mm -hmm. You're on metformin. You'll be on metformin, which causes a whole host of GI issues. And you'll keep that until you get to the point where it no longer works. So they'll increase dose. Now you take two. Okay, now you need insulin. So then now you go on insulin. And we still haven't addressed the root cause, which is your diet, right? It's right. the things that you're eating that are causing excessive amounts of blood sugar. But now you're on insulin because now you're insulin dependent. So your pancreas is no longer even releasing insulin. It has stopped or it is minimized how much it has releasing. So you're not able to manage your blood sugar. So now you're on insulin. Well, again, medications there, all we've done is slow the progress. So now you'll get peripheral neuropathy, which is where you get numbness and tingling in your feet. You'll get decreased blood flow, slow wound healing. You'll have the weight gain. You also start to build up plaques in your arteries because mm -hmm. your body says, well, we have all this sugar. We can't just let it float around. We have to do something with it. So it stores it in fat cells if it can, but it also stores it in the walls of your arteries. Yeah. So now we've caused cardiovascular disease. We've caused heart disease. That's going to lead to stroke or heart attack. Heart attack is if it's in the vessels that feed your heart. I feel like a lot of people don't know that. We think of like a heart attack, like mm -hmm. I don't know, my heart just like had a spasm. It has to do you have the vessels that feed your whole body, which we know, but your heart, although it is pumping the blood, needs blood supply. So a heart attack is when we get these plaque buildups that can be from excessive glucose in our blood, like I just mentioned with diabetes, or excessive saturated fats, like with high cholesterol. And then hypertension means those vessels are more narrow, so there's more tension in the vessels. Mm -hmm. So you have all that working, but it's happening to your coronary arteries. The, the arteries in your heart are now building up with plaque. So you'll get less blood flow, so your heart starts to die in certain areas. Where it should be getting blood supply, it's not, so it dies. And that's what causes a heart attack. The medical term is myocardial infarction, which mm -hmm. honestly, I just like to say, <laughs> but that's what it is. It has to do with that decrease in blood flow to the heart, which causes the heart tissue to die. Now, what if I were to tell you, had you changed your diet at the pre-diabetes phase, you could have avoided all that, girl, all of it, the whole thing, everything I just mentioned, because it's reversible. Yes. It is a disease of lifestyle. It is the choices that you're making. So had I, at the pre-diabetic phase, said, okay, we really need to take movement seriously because mm -hmm. it makes us more insulin sensitive. So whatever insulin we're releasing, our body will be more sensitive and so it will work better. And we need to start decreasing how much sugar we're getting. We need to start cutting out processed foods. And we can do this in phases because diet can be very personal and emotional for people. But had we done that, we wouldn't have had any, you wouldn't have had to get your leg cut off. You wouldn't have had to have a stroke mm. had we just addressed it at the start and at the root cause, because the root cause wasn't that you needed metformin. The root cause wasn't even necessarily that you needed more insulin at the start. We just need to make sure you're not getting flooding your bloodstream with blood sugar, right? With glucose. So there's so many things that you can do before you get to that point that is so um, frustrating to kind of see people have to go down that route. And I've had a conversation with a patient who we were trying the natural things. She could not get her diet together. She could not, mm. she could not decrease the carbs. And finally she came in and she was like, I just want to go on metformin. And I had to have this talk with her like, okay, you can do metformin, but you're still diabetic. 
and it's not going to change anything and it's just going to slow the progress but you're still going to wind up being 65 with no leg and wound healing issues and heart attack risk like it's not going to change that listen dr brandy you have just educated a bunch of women who had no idea that that is the process of the road that you'll go down when you get diabetes type two and you have ring the alarm on women who know exactly what this process is, but is choosing not to participate in their own health and allowing the medicine to just basically, like you said, uh, slow the process of everything. Correct. So one thing that I heard you say that I hope my listeners heard say too, and I'm going to reiterate it. You said that you can reverse it. It doesn't have to, you don't have to continue to go in this direction. So that's so, so important. And I know we are running out of time. That's why I want you back on the show because, yeah. you know, black women, we need to hear what you're saying because a lot of the things that we're talking about, they directly affect us in larger numbers than anybody Correct. else. And a lot of it's education. And even when I teach that class, the intro to integrative health, it's basically like, all right, if you look at it, it has to do with socioeconomic status, which is largely determined by your education. So the more educated a person is, the less likely they are to go down these roads. And sometimes it's the why. Again, when I was younger, it was like, oh, I need to work out to look good, but Mm -hmm. I already like how I look, so who cares? And it's like, no, (laughs) it is not just about vanity. It's not just about looking good in that bikini. That is a good outcome, but that's not the root issue. The issue is you cause all of these things. And from a hormone perspective, like I mentioned, you stop working out or you stop moving your body. Now you have osteopenia, which is where your bone starts to degrade. You get osteoporosis. Now you have a broken hip. When I could have said, Hey, keep eating good. Make sure you're eating a lot of calcium rich foods um, and getting a lot of your minerals in um, making sure you're getting enough protein. So you keep your muscle and make sure you strength train so that you can build up your bone density. Right. But it's, we, in conventional medicine, it's a little too late. And we have been trained to think of it in a conventional model mentality where Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, now I'm diabetic and I just go on a pill and it it gets better. And it's like, no, it doesn't. Oh, now I have osteopenia. Well, it's a lot easier to maintain that bone than to lose it and have to gain it back. Um, But it is active participation. And like I gave the example of the person who wanted to be on metformin, if she can't do it, I, I, you know, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make a drink. I am not in your home. Right. I cannot like pop out. You're going, going for that donut and be like, Hey girl, um, remember we're working on blood sugar. <laughs> exactly. We have some goals. Yeah. <laughs> I can't do that. Yeah. Um, so you have to do be your own like little police officer, but you'll be more motivated if you focus on how you feel and not just how you look and get out of the mentality that, eating healthfully, moving your body is only about physique because it's not. Yeah. I have one more question about fibroids and then I want to go to um, menopause quickly, but I want to leave room at the end for you to talk about anything that we haven't talked about that you'd like to share that my listeners would need to know and and would be good information to know. So you have fibroids. The doctor is saying that you should have them removed. Yes. What What do you think is the best way to handle that? Should the fibroids only be removed? Should you do a partial hysterectomy? Should you do a full hysterectomy? I've had so many women talk about this. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So one 
Uh, finding a doctor who's willing to listen and give you all of your options, right? And some of it depends on the size and the placement of the fibroid. So you do need to know that, but also um, you get the fibers moved, you need to address the estrogen dominance, which we kind of talked about at the start, mm -hmm. because it, they will grow back. And it doesn't mean that if we address that, they won't grow back, but you can actually, if a, if a fibroid's small enough, you can shrink it. You can shrink it through diet, lifestyle, and some herbs like we've kind of chatted about so if it's small enough you can shrink it i think if you're if you have a fiber but you're not experiencing like the hemorrhaging mm -hmm. um, or a lot of the pelvic pain see how long you have like have that conversation with the doctor very candidly and say okay i have one fibroid it is three centimeters that is little right do i really need to remove this i don't have the excessive bleeding work if i'm willing to put in the work on the diet and lifestyle end you can say I prefer to watch and wait, right? And they can say yes or no, depending on the doc. Um, and that just means you get a pelvic ultrasound every six months and they're gonna monitor if they're growing or if it's an issue. Mm -hmm. um, if it's a partial hysterectomy, that is somewhat better than a full hysterectomy if you can stand it because they will leave the ovaries. And the ovaries, like I mentioned, are what are gonna produce the hormones mm -hmm. for you. So you'll still be going through like a hormonal cycle, even if you're not bleeding. The total hysterectomy is like the last, but if you have a ton, right? And a ton of fibroids, you have the abdominal swelling where it's big and just removing one or two won't help. Right. Then your best option is a total hysterectomy. And then on the flip side of that, it's addressing that stress. Mm -hmm. Because one of the things that happens in modern day society is menopause shouldn't be this like crash lane. It doesn't need to be this, right. right? Not all women experience it, number one, and not all women around the world experience. In a lot of cultures, it's just a transition. Mm -hmm. It's just a phase of life. It's not this like, like life altering situation. So some of that is because when the ovaries stop producing hormones, the adrenals are supposed to take over. Mm -hmm. But if the adrenals are having to deal with your cortisol issues because you're so stressed out, then you don't get the same level of support to kind of give you like that smooth plane landing. Yeah. Instead, you have a very turbulent, bumpy, rocky landing um, until you get on the other side of menopause. And with things like menopause, I'll just kind of flow right into that. It's perfect. Um, <laughs> you have first perimenopause. So this is where the hormones start to change. It usually happens between like 45 to 50. Cycles typically at this time will start to become irregular. Sometimes you'll have hot flashes in this phase. Sometimes you won't. But you'll start noticing like your periods are shorter. You might skip a period here or there or a period might be excessive. Like you might bleed for a month and a half mm -hmm. and then you stop right? So conventionally they'll recommend an ablation for that or put you on birth control. But basically what's happening is you're starting to get a decrease in production of those hormones and it can be irregular. Now, perimenopause, there is no start and end time for perimenopause or menopause. Okay. So you mean perimenopause for years. Mm -hmm. You mean perimenopause for a year. You mean perimenopause for six months. Um, no one can really tell you because it's when your body stops producing hormones, when you go full menopause. Now that can be helpful if you talk to like your mom or if you have an older sister or your aunts and get a good idea of when they went into perimenopause and menopause, mm -hmm. that can be helpful. Um, but menopause itself is defined as one full year without a cycle. So you can okay. go 11 months at a period and have a period and you're still perimenopausal, not menopausal. 
Um, so it can be kind of frustrating for women because there is no like hard and fast perimenopause is exactly six months and then you are in menopause and then menopause is like a full, no. And there's no way to predict how your body's going to handle mm. that decreasing of hormones because what's your stress like? What's your lifestyle like? What are all these other factors like that affect how smooth you go into that transition? Yeah. Well, it makes, it gives me comfort to know, because I share with you, I'm in the perimenopausal. It yep. gives me comfort to know that I don't have to go off into, you know, a lot of times women hear menopause and it's like, oh my God, I'm going to be in menopause right. because we think it's just going to be like torture. You know, yes. it's comforting to know that it doesn't have to be that, you know, so for the, for those of us who are in the perimenopausal stage, what are things that we can be doing right now to help us when we are no period for a whole four year, I'm all out menopause. Yes. So when you're in full-blown menopause, you have a few different options. Typically at that point, you start to really notice the symptoms. Whereas in perimenopause, you might've had a symptom here or there, but in menopause, classically people will notice changes in mood. They'll notice it's harder to uh, lose weight. So it's easier to come off on, harder to come off. Mm -hmm. Um, you'll notice changes in your sleep because of that lack of progesterone. So typically some insomnia can happen. You'll also have night sweats along with hot flashes. So hot flashes happen during the day. Night sweats happen at night, um, but they're very similar. Mm -hmm. So night sweats can be as severe as like, I woke up, I'm completely soaked. Mm -hmm. Like it looks like I just dipped in a pool. My bed sheets are soaked and I'm having to like change the bed and fully change to go back to sleep. Um, usually husbands are not enthused in this space because they just get frozen out. It's like, right. nope, I don't care. The air is going up 65 years. I'm going to have to put on some clothes. Right. They're in like sweatpants. The woman's like <laughs> fully naked um, because it can be so rough. So usually the uh, uh, low libido, so like the desire can also start to go down because the comfort can also go down because when we get a lack of that hormone we get vaginal dryness. We're not secreting as much lubrication. And typically women don't notice how lubricated their vaginas were until you go into menopause and you get on hormones again. And you're like, whoa, that's, wasn't expecting that. Right. Um, that can also cause vaginal atrophy. So the vagina starts to become less tight or mm -hmm. less uh, like the skin inside. Same with your skin on your face mm -hmm. and the rest of your body, you might notice a little laxity. So that's, that's the symptoms, which is why women typically are not enthused to hit menopause. Mm -hmm. However, your options are you can go the herbal route um, to treat some of the symptoms. The same diet lifestyle stuff that I talked about with fibroids applies literally. It doesn't matter if you have PCOS. It doesn't matter if you have irregular cycles. Like the same stuff there of decreasing the stress, moving the body, and eating more healthfully can help with the transition into menopause. But some of those symptoms you can treat with different types of herbs. Common ones would be like black cohosh. I feel like a lot of women, if mm -hmm. you go to any health food store and pick up any menopausal supplement, it probably has black cohosh and dioscorea, which is wild yam in it. Um, but there are things you can do beyond just those two. Those are just kind of the most common. The other side of that is bioidentical hormone replacement therapy. Now, I don't recommend synthetic hormones. There's just a lot of side effects. The main common one is called Premarin which stands for like, it's named after a mare, Premarin, mm -hmm. which is a female horse because they are horse estrogens that we derive them okay. from. So it can cause a lot of side effects because our body doesn't identify what the heck it is that we're being given. Um, so I prefer bioidentical hormones. 
in that regard, you have a few options. You have creams, trochies, which are like little lozenges or um, pellets. <laughs> That's the other <laughs> one. Um, so you never want to do oral estrogen, like just take a pill. And you don't want to do oral testosterone, which women also need. So usually if I was doing bioidentical hormone replacement, we're doing estrogen and testosterone in the morning. So those can help with energy. And then at night we're doing progesterone capsule because with how just through the liver, it helps with sleep at night. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. So that's the hormone side of um, like the hormone replacement therapy side. So creams have all three of them have pros and cons, right? Creams can tend to be messy. If there's testosterone or cream, you have to rotate it or else you'll grow a patch of hair. <laughs> you also can't let anyone touch you. So you have to wait till the cream fully absorbs. So no husband, no pet, no kids, no one can touch you because they will also absorb the hormones. So you have to be really mindful that your husband's not like coming and loving on you because then he'll start weeping and get man boobs and like no one wants that. Um, the trochies I like because it's an adjustable dose and you just let it dissolve in your mouth mm -hmm. and um, you don't have to worry about the rotation or like interacting with other people pellets are probably the most convenient because it's a procedure it happens about every three or four months depending on your metabolism it's in office they make an incision they put the pellets in you don't even need stitches they just put a little seri strip on there and you can kind of go about your business downfall you have scars on your butt because mm -hmm. that's where we put it so you'll have a little incision scar and every time we go in you'll want to kind of go in somewhere different mm -hmm. um and then once it's in it's in so if your provider overshoots the mark, there is no backing down from that. You just kind of have to ride that way for three or four months and just kind of deal with whatever side effects you get. Mm. Um, so it's not as adjustable. Now, you, if it's too low, you can go in and boost it, but you can't remove Bring it. Bring it down, yeah. Correct. So those are kind of the hormonal options versus like a non-hormonal approach. Both benefit from still all of the diet, lifestyle, stress reduction. Um but there's two ways to kind of treat it. If you have a family history though of breast, uterine, or ovarian cancer, then estrogen is contraindicated for you. Mm -hmm. So then doing something like the herbal route is a better option. Okay. Dr. Brandy, will you promise me you're going to come back to the show? <laughs> because there's yeah. still so much to talk about. And I can already tell you the emails that I'm going to get from this episode of, okay, well, what about this? And can you ask Dr. Brandy about this? So listeners, <laughs> before y'all start sending me multiple ep uh, emails about this episode, Dr. Brandy is going to come back to the show, but I do want to leave room for you, Dr. Brandy, to talk about what we haven't talked about, but would be good for yeah. us to know and just uh, give us more information. Yeah. So I, I, with this, I want to give a nod to the fellas because when we talk about hormones and aging, they get less up, left out of that conversation a lot. There's a lot of, although it's not treated um, well, right. It's not always treated well by providers. At least we address women's health. When I was in medical school, we had gynecology lab. We had like two different gynecology classes, a plethora of docs who did women's health, the amount of docs who did men's health was minimal and the amount of attention they were given, they were partnered with, uh, it was like urology, men's health and kidney health all in one quarter. Yeah. I, when I went to school, it was quarters. So like we had 12, not even 12 weeks and men were kind of like a drop in the bucket. Um, so they don't get a whole lot of attention in regards to hormones, but part of that is they just don't 
check in with themselves and communicate their symptoms very well. Mm -hmm. So for, if you're a lady listening, this is for you to support your, your significant other. If you're a gentleman listening, this is obviously for you, but testosterone starts to decrease around the age of 30 slowly starts to decrease when they hit, um, same age as us that we hit perimenopause, they start to hit something called andropause, which is the same thing, but for men. Okay. And the way they express their symptoms are different. Whereas a woman, you'll get this long laundry list of like, I'm sleepy, my brain fog, my weight won't come off, like all the things. A man will just say, I just don't feel like myself. And as a provider, I'm usually having to probe them like, okay, what do you mean? But usually it's a lack of energy. So mm -hmm. they also get sluggish. They get less motivated. Right. They're not as like hungry for success or whatever it was as much as they were in the past. They start to hold on to weight similar to us. But for them, it might be like, oh, when I was younger, I could just, you know, cut out a couple of foods mm -hmm. and hit the gym two to three times a week. And we all know as women, as frustrating as it is, men can drop weight like this. Right. Like men can just take a big poop and then like lose right. 10 pounds yeah. while we're over here like eating nothing but lettuce. Like, right. Or a fiber to even have it. a poop. <laughs> <laughs> so they um so that starts to uh change for them mm -hmm. where they start noticing that those same things that normally work for them are not and they start getting that abdominal weight when you see that guy who's like thin with that belly that's testosterone can also be their diet but testosterone plays a huge role in that and most of the time they don't necessarily lead with libido, but similar, their desire starts to go down mm -hmm. and their performance can start to change because testosterone affects the ability to get it and maintain an erection. So you might start seeing changes to that. And honestly, that's when they come in. When those things are happening, mm -hmm. they're like, wait a second, right. fix it. Not all the, not the brain fog, not the not feeling like themselves. I'll live not with it. <laughs> not, not the noticing that their mood is off. Um, it's that. So for older men, similar to how women have bioidentical hormone replacement therapy, men have it as well. For them, it's only testosterone though. And I had someone approach me yesterday that um, to ask a question for a friend who's on oral capsule testosterone. If your doctor prescribed you oral testosterone, fire them and stop it. It damages your liver. Oh, wow. And I was like, why would anyone put anyone on oral testosterone? Like that is a, not a mysterious fact. So with men, you have options of creams or injectable. We don't even do a trochee uh, testosterone for men typically. So uh, injectable, you're doing twice a week. Creams, you're applying. Again, you want to rotate spots. Some men will do it on the testes because they don't care if they get excess hair growth there. Mm -hmm. It just makes it easier. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the older men. Now things you can do to optimize that, same as women, decrease your stress, fix your diet. Um, also move your body specifically strength training can help to boost testosterone naturally. Mm -hmm. So if you're in the phase where you're getting hormone replacement, you can at least optimize how you're absorbing that and how it's functioning for you. So you can still make these lifestyle changes, even if you're seeing a provider for those things. Um, for the younger men, because younger men can experience testosterone loss as well. And with the rise in uh, different states, like I'm in Colorado, Arizona, California, the, I like calling them the hippie states, mm -hmm. all those hippie <laughs> states that have legalized marijuana usage. Yeah. Um, some have legalized it for recreational use that can tank a man's testosterone. So 
frequent marijuana usage can make testosterone a lot worse. I had a patient once who was couch 19, I believe, mm -hmm. couch potato, um, ate horribly, just smoked a bunch of weed all day and played video games and his testosterone was tanked. Um, for him, I choose not to do testosterone replacement in younger men because I personally feel like it's negligent mm -hmm. because once you start giving testosterone, I will shut down your body's natural production of testosterone mm -hmm. and you can't always get that back. So that young man who's like, oh, I want to be jacked in the gym. Let me just go ahead and use some like steroids that I got from some random person at my gym. Just one dose can affect your testosterone production for the rest of your life. Wow. So we're talking about your ability to be fertile, gone. Um, we're talking about all of those things I mentioned that men normally notice in 40s and 50s when it starts to decrease. You'll notice it in your early 20s. Mm -hmm. um, once we have to put you on replacement, your body will no longer produce testosterone. Testosterone is produced by the testes, right? Testosterone testes. Mm -hmm. And so you'll get testicular shrinkage as well because it's not producing testosterone. So now I have to give you a medication to counteract the testicular shrinkage because no one wants shrunken testicles. So there's so much when it comes to like male hormones, it's very simple from a treatment perspective if you choose the right route. For that young man, changing his diet, um, moving his body, taking out the weed. Now you do have to get him motivated, which is kind of hard, mm -hmm. but things that you can do diet itself will help boost testosterone. Getting eight hours of sleep will naturally boost testosterone. Strength training will naturally boost testosterone. Um, had we done all of those things, which I was doing with him, he would have seen results. It might've taken a little longer than just putting an injectable testosterone in, but we would have preserved his fertility long-term. Yeah. One of the doctors I worked with, he was my patient and then he switched, did do pellets on that young man mm -hmm. and pelleted him. Oh, that's the other option. So creams, injectable or pellets for testosterone replacement in men, mm -hmm. which was great. He felt great. He was motivated to do all those other things. But the question is, how is he going to feel in 10 years when his partner wants to have kids and he can't? It's going to be a problem because mm. he's going to be on testosterone you can't pull it once you've already done it because you don't know if the testes are going to take over or not. So yeah, for the, for the men, uh, make sure you are younger men doing everything you can to naturally boost your testosterone. Again, sleeping, moving your strength training, all those things before you go down that route and don't get tempted by that like quick fix of the steroid. Because again, one injection, you're thinking, what's the big deal? Everyone does it. Um, number one, you don't know what's in that. Right. You have no idea what the guy at the gym is selling you. Right. Um, but number two, you can really mess up that portion for the rest of your life. Right. And it's, it sucks to see it, but I've seen it more times than I'd like to probably talk, count, right. Than I, than I'd like to talk about. Wow. So much, so much yep. to talk about on this subject. Again, you guys, Dr. Brandy is going to come back to the show. I'll wait to hear from some of you guys and just hear what the questions are that I didn't ask Dr. Brandy that you have. And we'll have her back on the show in this season four at some point and talk more. Dr. Brandy, you are just brains and beauty, honey. <laughs> Let me just say thank you so much for being on the show. I really am honored to talk to you. You are so knowledgeable about what you do. You are definitely walking in your calling, and that is very clear. So thank you so much for being on These Three Things podcast. We'll be right back, Dr. Brandy and I, with These Three Things. If you want to find more information about this episode and my guest, go to www.these3-things.com. Go to our podcast page and click on this episode. 
Hey, queens, kings, and good people. We're back. I am Sharonda Reeves. I am with Dr. Brandy Moore, and it is time for these three things. Your body. In this episode, what the hormones? Dr. Brandy said it's very important for us to know our bodies. Knowing our bodies is how we can identify when something hormonal is changing or has changed. When I stand in the mirror and look at my 50-year-old body, (laughs) I can be a tough critic. This body doesn't look like that athlete running up and down the basketball court. And although my body has held up pretty well, having birthed a couple of kids, gained a few pounds and some curves, this isn't the body Dr. Brandy is talking about when she says, know your body. Dr. Brandy is talking about the inside. Our body, in most cases, tries to tell us when things are changing. Have you ever eaten something and as soon as you ate it, you felt sick? That's your body talking. Have you ever started paying attention to what you're eating and noticed that you felt better or had more energy? That's your body talking too. The thing is, we tend to care more about how the outside looks instead of what the inside is telling us. When we do this, we set ourselves up for potential issues to manifest. The truth is, when we feel good on the inside, when we have energy, when we're sleeping well, when we're moving our bodies, regardless of how we feel we look on the outside, queens, we are winning. So here's your three things for the next 30 days. Make better food choices. Shoot for those eight hours of sleep a night. And move your body for at least 20 minutes a day. And then listen to your body. If your body talks back to you nice, then listen for another 30 days. Dr. Brandy shares that a lot of the illnesses we deal with can be prevented and reversed simply by doing those three things, eating healthier, getting more rest, and moving our bodies. Our hormonal balance as we go through stages of life is going to change. As we listen to our bodies and take care of the inside as much as the outside, we'll be ready for those changes and we won't miss a beat. Let me know how your 30 days turns out. Dr. Brandy definitely made me step my game up. I started my 30 days on Sunday. Eat healthier, get more rest, move your body. Be well, queen. Okay, queens, that does it for this episode. So if this is your first time tuning in, I'd love for you to subscribe and hear all the other interesting topics we're going to be talking about in the next few weeks.